Alright, say welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> show. Welcome to the show. And the name. The name of the show is. Welcome to the Hurry Up the Cakes podcast. I am Mikey, the host of the show. My guest for today interviewed WWE World Heavyweight Champion Drew McIntyre just a few days ago, but that was his second most important interview over the past few days because his most important is this one, which is too big for one episode. I'm joking, of course, but you can catch his interview with Drew McIntyre. The link to that interview will be on the show notes. Stan C. is a Chinese-Filipino broadcaster. He's a radio DJ. He's a voice talent. He's also a podcaster. He hosts the Wrestling Wrestling podcast with Romaran, Raf Camus, and Chino Liao, which I've been a guest on multiple times, just talking about wrestling and criticism. Those guys are, are a fun bunch, and I love them. Hi, friends, if you're listening. Stan is also a cultural critic. He is very outspoken on social media and other platforms about the intricacies of his experience as a Chinese Filipino. I wanted to talk to him about that because I wanted to explore what it means to be a Chinese Filipino. I married a a Chinese Filipina, a very perfect Chinese Filipina, and we have a son who is a Chinese Filipino. I am a Filipino, but... I do want to explore what it means to be a modern Chinese Filipino. So I invited him to the show, and we ended up having a conversation that stretches across two episodes. So the first part is here, this one you're listening to to that right now, and the second part is on episode four, which is also out now. Please stick around for a very special outro in this episode, and then you can move on to episode four after that. There are many things to discuss and explore and investigate about identity in general. But the Chinese-Filipino identity is ripe. I'm honored that Stan came to the show to share his experience with me and help me figure out things as well. There are many things that I learned in our conversation that I suspect will be helpful to many. You can find Stan on Twitter at underscore Stan C. If you want to ask him more about this stuff. And you can also find his links to the pathways to his other bodies of work. His very varied bodies of work. You can also find me on Twitter at Mikey Lirin. On Instagram at Mikey.Lirin. On Facebook at HurryUpTheCakes. And on HurryUpTheCakes.net. If you would like to continue this conversation. But now here is part one of my very special conversation with my dear friend, Stan C. Is Char going to be listening in? Because like, I, I really want to see what her uh, comments would be like in real time, just because you know, the, the similarity in, in background and all that. You know, this is a great place to start. We might as well start with, that, with, this, with this part of the conversation. So Char is not going to be yeah, listening sure. in, in live. Uh, but you are not... <laughs> You are not the first person to ask for Char in this show. You're the first person to ask on air or here, here as, as in the podcast itself. But 
you know what's so hilarious is that everybody who knows me uh, wants to know what Char thinks of everything I talked about in that first show. Uh, and uh, the people who know what I'm going to talk about in succeeding episodes, they're all like, yes, but what does Char think? This is, <laughs> this is, but I have to respect the, I want to address it head on just here for episode three. That, uh, yo, if I would love for Char to be in the show with me, but I also very much respect her. We, we decided very early on that, she or she decided very early on that she was not going to be here as a as a guest or as a as a voice uh of well she is the voice she's the voice at the end of the episode but she as a voice to like share her thoughts in because i guess she feels like she has her own avenues for that anyway and we share anyway she has no you're a broadcaster stan you know what this you know, that the desire in that perhaps is in you to be heard by a large audience and is 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 also like similar to a desire I have in me as a performer and as a teacher and heck as a budding podcaster. Yeah, she has none of that. She's in many ways more secure, okay, hey. more secure than me. So I'm not gonna say she's more secure than you, you and like other people, but she's very, very, very secure, and she's has no interest in uh, in broadcasting herself. That being said, if you're listening and if you're guesting. Please continue insisting on having her, uh, having Char's voice be heard. That would be so much fun for me as well. <laughs> no, I, I think you have to preface this by by explaining what we're talking about in the first place and why I felt that her voice would be integral, equally integral to this conversation to begin with. Because when you asked me if I wanted to talk about my lived experiences as a Chinoy, I was like, uh, yeah, it would be great to talk about it just because it's a conversation not everybody is willing to have at all. Right. But to hear the perspective of a female Chinese Filipino is even more important uh, just because um, if I feel misrepresented or if I feel some uh, sort of identity crisis, what more the female Chinoy? I can't speak for them because that's not my lived reality, but I, I know for, for certain that they really go through uh, way more than I can imagine. Yeah. I I can if if from my minimal experience of being a husband <laughs> to to a female Chinoy, I can attest to that. Uh and I agree. I agree that this is a position that has to be heard. However, I do want to hear your perspective. Like this is why I invited you to the show, as you mentioned, because I married Char and uh, the truth is though, she insulated me from a lot of the complications of being a Filipino who married into a Chinoy family. Like, I had to... I knew... I had this vague idea that there, there were going to be things to deal with on her side. But she really, I guess, protected me from a lot of this. A lot of this. Like, I I, I didn't... I, I think very highly of Char's family. They've been very... Generally, very kind. But I know that a huge, huge chunk of the whole issue of me entering her life, a huge chunk of that is a bunch of things I have no idea about. <laughs> you know, and this stuff matters to me, not just as a curiosity. Like, bro, tell me about what it's like. I mean, yes, yes, I am curious about your experience. But the truth is, I we, not, we have a child. We have a son. He's, we have a three-year-old, Max. And uh, we want to... We were very respectful of his history and his origins, mm-hmm. but at the and and at the same time, 
we also want him to be so much better than me and my wife. We want him to be better than the generation that preceded him. And right. we know that the history he has has elements that uh, have to be considered and discussed and uh, perhaps dispensed with, improved, as as with any context, Stan. But, you know... In- yeah, I, no, I, I love how diplomatic you are about it. Like, you're really tiptoeing around eggshells. Um, can, <laughs> can, I, can I cuss here? Like, I didn't even ask before we started recording. Can I cuss? Do you have the explicit tag? Or I, I don't have supposed the ex- to be family-friendly? I don't have the explicit tag for the show, but I can add the explicit tag for this episode. And it's more important to me that you're, very, you're comfortable in this conversation. So... Okay. So, go ahead. Yeah, because like I, I can turn it off. I can be Radio Stan, uh, who's only ever cussed on air once in a decade. Uh, but um, podcaster me is more like natural me, which, as you know, is very much a potty mouth. Yes. So let me just start by saying that a lot of the diplomatic stuff you said is, <laughs> while correct, also very sanitized. Because the lived experience of being very Chinoy is honestly pretty fucked up. <laughs> I'm going to start there. All right. Um, and, and this is Fancy. not to take a shit on my identity and being Chinese Filipino. It's not to, uh, to say I'm resentful of it. I'm not. Uh, but I, I guess to paint a picture of being Chinese Filipino, it really starts with not being fully Chinese and not being fully Filipino at the same time, which is so weird because there's this notion that uh, whatever you are, Whatever your identity is, it's linked to your country of origin or it's linked to where you come from. Right. Right. But uh, being a Chinese Filipino is weird in the sense that uh, here in the Philippines, um, I don't look like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. Probably don't sound like everybody else. And I don't act and dress like everybody else. And I, I have to include dressing because even for the more conservative uh, Chinese families, wearing black, even on a regular day, is a no-no. What more on a birthday? Right? What more at a funeral or at a wake where right. black is considered disrespectful and white is the color of mourning, whereas in a Filipino uh, necrological service, black is the more acceptable color. That's right. So, so even those nuances, diba? Um, and then, uh, by contrast, you take me to a Chinese-speaking place like uh, China, obviously, or Hong Kong or Taiwan, and I don't fit in any of those places either. Um, I, I lived in Taiwan for a couple of months after my, my uh, graduation from UP. And it, I, I call it my soul-searching uh, phase of my life um, because I literally did things that I wouldn't have done here. Like I worked at a rice noodle or a bihon uh, factory under a foster family. And it was a really fun experience because they really made me feel like one of their own. But when I was walking through the streets of Taiwan, I could really feel myself as a foreigner because I didn't speak the language as well as everybody else. I don't have their lived experience of having grown up in a Chinese-speaking country. Um, I guess compared to everybody, like my English was uh, way better because I came from the Philippines where English is basically a second language to us or it's like a national language to us. So I went to the clubs. So this is, this is why I'm telling you the story. I went to the clubs, right? And I realized that if I wanted to hit on anybody, I had to learn how to speak in Chinese. But my Chinese wasn't good enough for, for that night at the club. So uh, another friend heard me speaking in English and they were like, oh, you sound like an ABC. 
an ABC is an American-born Chinese. And I learned that night that even wow. in Taiwan, they have this form of colonial mentality na kapag English-speaking Chinese ka, right. yung market value mo mas mataas compared to the <laughs> local Chinese-speaking Chinese. And they even had fucking rankings for these. So there was the ABC, the American-born, rankings. the BBC, the British-born, and the CBC, the Canadian-born Chinese, which is fucking <laughs> hilarious. So I go out there, right? And I start buying myself drinks and I start talking to, to the girls at the club and I posed as an ABC and they would ask me shit like oh yeah you're from the US where are you from and I'd be like ah I'm from Texas stupid wow. me Texas is the first state that came to mind <laughs> and they're like oh okay so why don't you have the accent and I'm like oh yeah I'm from Galveston it's like an island an hour south of Houston uh, and I only knew that because one of my college Cabarcadas was living in Galveston at the time and she did say no walang accent don. Wow. So that was me trying to trying to use my English speaking skills to try to blend in in a country where I theoretically look like everybody else. Right. So this this notion of identity is something that I've always struggled with because like where do you fit in? It's like being around block and trying to fit yourself in a square peg. Yeah. Was the was your trip to Taiwan, your soul searching trip, was that when you first realized you were different? Was that the moment where you went, huh? I don't. Was that the the definitive definitive I don't belong anywhere moment for you? Oh no, no, fuck no. Um, <laughs> I went to Savior, mm-hmm. and I, I I was there since I was five until I graduated from high school at eighteen. And early on, I already felt that I was different in the sense that I'm insulated in my little bubble in Savior with fellow Chinoy kids, uh, and yet. You're in the Philippines and yung mga textbooks, yung pictures, kayo manggi yung balat, malalaki yung mata, right? Uh, in some cases, the hair was wavier than mine because my hair is really fine and very, very straight. So, dun palang, I started to get this sense na, na oh yeah, I, I'm probably not like everyone else. And then, um, Savior has these interactions kasi with, um, with uh, communities uh, who are in need, right? So, iba-ibang years, iba-ibang communities not underserved. So we've had interactions with prisoners. We went to medium security sa Bilibid and had an interaction with them. Uh, we also had interactions with yung mga, um, uh, children from impoverished communities, even with our own household help. So, alam mo yun, parang weird eh, kasi it, it painted this image na parang, I, I'm, I'm gonna sound like such an asshole for saying this, but I'm not sure if it's manifest destiny or benevolent assimilation. Parang kam, kami pa yung nagre-reach out sa kanila when they are the ones who are from here. So you're gonna have to step in and be the teacher and correct me here because like um, these concepts are floating in my head and I'm not sure if they're entirely correct. Pero dun palang may nare-recognize na ako na parang wait lang something is a bit off here. So uh, I... I started to see it when I grew up, like towards high school, when the issue of the Great Wall, which you have so proudly overcome, and I'm very happy that you have. Uh, You'll have when, to explain when, when at the, some point what the Great Wall is. Yeah, yeah when the Great Wall finally uh, became a tangible concept in my life. So the Great Wall is something that the local Chinese-Filipino community refers to when someone who's Chinoy or Chinese is unable to marry outside of the Chinese community. So it's, lit- it's, it's basically a great wall you have to jump over. I see. Right? Yeah. And high, high school pa lang ako, uh, and I went to high school in the uh, mid-2000s, I already heard that term being bandied about. So um, it's weird kasi yung savior, while it's known for being a Chinese-Filipino school, 
marami ring mga non-Chinese na students and alumni over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, famous examples include uh, the Ejercitos, JV and Jake, uh, Sani Angara, um, Jugs Hugueta of the Itchy Worms. You know, uh, all, all of these guys are Saviorians who um, don't look Chinese or sound Chinese or have Chinese names, right? With Jugs, I'm not sure if he's um, if he has any Chinese ethnicity in him. So, you know, um, I, I could be wrong by naming him as an example. But anyway, I, I had classmates and Kabarkadas who were not Chinese at all. So, alam mo yun, dun palang namulat na ako na parang, okay, iba-iba kami na itsura. We're not all Chinese. We're not all in this little bubble. And then the Great Wall happens because uh, I've had non-Chinese classmates and non-Chinese friends who'd hit on the girls at Ika, the neighboring all-girls school. And their their love interests or their uh, uh, significant others would be Chinese. And there would be issues kasi hindi sila matatanggap ng family because they're not Chinese. So, as early as high school, I was already exposed to this phenomenon of the Great Wall. And uh, there would be these subtle uh, reminders at, say, the dinner table or at family gatherings na, oh, dapat uh, when you grow up, yung magiging girlfriend mo is also Chinese, ha? Yung magiging asawa mo is also Chinese. Right. So th- th- there have been so many explanations. Like, ako kasi, I- I'm an inquisitive kid. I'd always ask, why? Why, 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 why? And, and I-, I think that's a reason why a lot of people have come to resent me over the years because I always ask why and I don't just accept. So whenever I would ask why, um, the convenient answer has been na it's easier because you don't have to explain yung mga traditions. You don't have to explain the culture. And then there's the subtext that it's easier because you don't have to fight the resistance of the elders, mm. which is weird. Because mm. if you delve into my family history, mm-hmm. my mom is actually mestiza, as in she's half-half talaga. My lola in the, on the mother's side is Bisaya. She comes from uh, Leyte. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother's father is basically fresh off the boat from China. Right. So, so I am one-fourth Bisaya. Yeah. If you really look at my DNA and everything, right? You, you want to be particular about it. And it, it's weird na, yun nga, parang ako sasabihan mo na, oh, you know, it's, it's better if you marry Chinese. Because uh, when, when, you know, my own family history is not pure. And I say this with quotation marks. Yes. And even in my... Uh, even in my father's side, like, hindi kami lahat pure ethnically Chinese. So this concept of being pure is also very bothersome. So even if your parents were not 100% subservient to the Great Wall, the concept, they still insisted on this for you and your siblings? Or they still insist, present tense, on this for you? I wouldn't say na insist. It's kind of like how the Japanese government has a relationship with its citizens. They didn't place Japan <laughs> on lockdown when the pandemic hit. They strongly encouraged its citizens to stay at home in quarantine. There's a difference. Of course. There's absolutely <laughs> a difference. I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, to, to paint a better picture, um, my, my girlfriend is Chinese-Filipino, uh, uh, just, like, just like I am. She also went to Ika. So, um, yung schema ng Savior Boys sa pagkabata is that, oh, you're going to grow up, you're going to graduate from Savior, you're probably going to meet a girl from Ika, and you're going to meet this nice girl from Ika, and you're going to marry her one day. Right. It, it, in that sense, I'm kind of following the schema. 
but I never thought I would be there. Uh, my my ex is not Chinese, um, so so she's you're Filipina, and I distinctly remember when I told my mom about her, my mom wasn't very pleased. Like body language gives away everything, even if you stifle a reaction, you know your body language will always betray you. So I remember my my mom's body language. Uh, she sighed. And she was like, um, and I was like, all right, this is not going over well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she met my dad, that's when I really felt like, uh oh, there's a problem. Um, so I remember I was driving home because I had to drop my sister off Sabahai. And my girlfriend at the time was also in the car. And then I had to pick my dad up because my dad was asking me to drive him to a neighbor's house down the road. So dinaanan ko na lang, right? My dad gets in and first time niyang ma-encounter yung uh, girlfriend ko at the time. And you know, me uh, being the polite son, I was like, oh dad, si ganyan, girlfriend ko, right? And I, uh, I I don't know if it was because my dad was just really pissed because I think I was late that night or whatever, but he didn't bother looking in her direction. He didn't bother to say hello or good evening. Wow. He just grunted. Wow. Hmm. He just grunted. Uh, have you had that experience? Because like I was like, "Fuck, this is really unpleasant." Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I will say that my experiences generally have been positive. Is all of <laughs> in the interest of maintaining family harmony yes. <laughs> and and not offending any fragile egos. But yeah, um, so so this is not me talking shit about my dad, right? Um, right. I it's just that, um, this is this is what happened as I remember it, and these are my lived experiences, and my feelings at the time were not very pleasant because I was like, oh shit, um, you know, I I can't even properly introduce her. Um, that's when I really felt like, ah, oh, fuck, my great wala ko, and it was compounded by the fact that my sister dated a guy who was not Chinese as well in college, college sweetheart, yeah, basically. And um, they're no longer together, as far as I know. And they broke up five years ago after she graduated from college. Good then, the reaction, for, you know, to when she told us about him uh, was wasn't taken too too well, because he's not Chinese. Um, you know, she she tried her best to really paint him as this this good guy who treated her well. Um, there, there were things that happened that weren't to my liking. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, and ultimately. Um, I didn't know at some point, but it wasn't because of his race. Right. It wasn't because hindi siya Chinese. It was because of things that happened later on. Right. So those were two examples, and uh, I noticed when I got with uh, with Arian, who is my girlfriend now, um, when I told my parents about her, na, na both her parents are Chinese, na she went to Ika. I could notice them being warmer mm. and being more receptive to the idea. So in a way, it kind of makes me feel thankful that I didn't go all out on the girls I liked in college because half of them were not Chinese. Right. I'm very happy about how it ended up with Arian. And it, it's so funny to me that it, you're so hyper-conscious of how there is a schema that you're either following or not following. Is there a part of you that I guess regrets it. Not about Aryan at all, but I mean, just this is the part of you that is opposed to the idea of the schema to begin with, 
to find yourself following it for whatever reason. It's a genuine long-term relationship you've had with Aryan. And hello, Aryan, if you're listening. I, hi, is there a part of you that kind of wishes you weren't following the schema? How, how pervasive is the idea that you don't want to be part of the schema, even as you're in a very happy relationship now? Right. First off, I'm glad that I used the word schema right. Because <laughs> the fact that you used it in a question <laughs> validates my, my choice of the word. Okay, well, hold so on. If, good if, thing. if both of us or either of us are getting it wrong, we're going to hear about it. But let's just stick with it. <laughs> let's just stick with it now. Okay. Um, okay, to answer your question, yeah, there is a part of me that wishes that I didn't follow it. Hmm. Um, just because I've, uh, the older I've gotten... I've realized how much I resent yung, um, how, how the path has been so laid out Nah, there is a blueprint of what you have to do. For every Chinese-Filipino boy that goes to Savior, every parent wishes that they end up like Chris Tew. Because Chris Tew was the model student who came from a, very, from a very good family, no scandals, did not get into any trouble, was an academic achiever, was really good athletically as well, pretty good-looking, and it's pretty fucking rich. Check all those boxes. And he married a nice Egan girl. Right. So, you know, Chris Yu is basically the golden boy. And I'm not saying this to this Chris Yu at all. By all accounts, Chris Yu is a great human being. I've had one or two interactions with the guy and he's been, he's been nothing but nice. But I don't, I, I don't think I want to live the Chris Yu life other than, you know, be rich and be pretty good at basketball. <laughs> Uh, so parang it, it's so res- I, I have this, these feelings of resentment towards yung parang uh, framework na dapat ganito yung buhay mo dahil Chinese Filipino ka because nawala yung agency mo eh nawala yung uh, yung possibilities na there's, there's this idea na kapag Chinese Filipino ka you have to be in corporate or you have to be um, you have to be a professional but your profession should be uh, in accountancy, engineering, medicine, law, basically not the arts. Right. If you're in the arts, chances are you won't be treated like a professional. Right. So um, I I work in the arts as as do you. You know, um, I work in radio. I've been a, a radio DJ for the last ten years, which is a third of my life. Now that I think about it, yeah. I I also work as a voice actor, as a performer, as an events host. These are the arts, right? And um, for a lot of people in the generation before me, to them, that's not necessarily prof- a, a profession because hindi ka professional. That's right. Which is weird. Which is weird. Because I've got an OR. I've got an official <laughs> receipt. And that's as professional as professional that's can right. be. That's right. It's weird because, it's, it's because you are a professional. You're literally, by literal definition, a professional. Right. But for them, they have this notion that to be a, to be considered a professional, you have to have passed a board exam. Mm-hmm. So anare, uh, ba, yung, uh, the board exams a med or like uh, the bar for for lawyers or whatever board exam for engineers or re- realtors or whatever. Yeah. For for the local Chinese Filipino community, these things are of great value because anyane, um, it's something that the parents can brag about, and I'm sure that's not mutual. That's not exclusive to the Chinoy community. It's something that any Filipino parent wishes upon their children. I, I, I hope they can be achievers, so I can brag about their accomplishments. But I felt that more as a as a Chinoy kid growing up, 
So the fact that I, I went through a course in the arts in college and that I pursued a non-corporate track, uh, it uh, was and is still mind-blowing to uh, my parents' friends and some of our relatives. Because my parents have come to gradually accept that I'll, I'll probably never be that Saverian who works at SGV or works at a Procter & Gamble or Unilever or any of these big firms. Right. It's, it's so interesting that you're happy, but a resentment for these ideas that you want to dismantle. I mean, it's clear to me that these are things you want to dismantle. Sorry, I, I, I should make this clear for this episode that one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you in the first place is that I also, you, you've been out, you've, been, you've publicly declared how so many ideas in your context are things that should be changed, that shouldn't be the case. One of the one of the things you pointed out is is also the term you used to describe yourself and Aryan and my wife, uh, Chinese Filipino, which is not a thing that it's I I never heard it as a, a deliberate term because you were you were the as a Filipino an ignorant Filipino who I grew up in international school. Now don't but, sell yourself short. <laughs> well, well, ignorant because I these there's so many aspects of of your context in your culture that I really had no idea about. Uh, even in international school that I was a part of, there weren't very many uh, people, uh, people in the Chinese-Filipino community in that school. And I had to learn that you have to wear red on a birthday and that that wasn't yeah. a joke. <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. to learn that you have to wear white and that that wasn't a joke. I had to, you know, it's, uh, these right. are things that, oh, you know, and, and, uh, coming from the perspective of having to, wanting to respect and learn, it was an adjustment for me. So anyway, among those things is that they were all the that there was there is a strong distinction between Filipino Chinese or Chinese Filipinos and mainland Chinese, where you know before right. it, there were the Chinese immigrants in the Philippines, but I never thought of them as as different, and I guess many people never thought of them as different. Before I ask you about the differences that I'd like to explore, the term for the Chinese Filipino is a, is a thing you went public and you kind of went viral about uh, when you pointed this out on a Facebook post. So can you tell me more about... I wouldn't say that I went... Yeah. Well, yeah, I sure, guess you, sure. went, you went viral uh, I, I, to like relevant communities is what I'll say. You know, it's like... <laughs> no, we, we can get into that story later on because I think it's also a topic worth exploring. Right. But okay, uh, let me get into Chinese Filipino. Yeah. So... Uh, thank you for noticing that I have been deliberate in using that term and that term alone. So to describe myself, my identity, uh, it's Chinese Filipino with Chinese coming first because Chinese is an adjective and Filipino is the noun. That means that I am a Filipino of Chinese descent. I was born in the Philippines. I, w I grew up in the Philippines. I live in the Philippines. I just happen to be of Chinese descent. Contrast that with Filipino Chinese, which in the same context would give off a different connotation. Right. So, kung tinagalog mo, edi Chinoy, right? That's why um, I actually was very attached to Chinoy TV as a brand when I first heard of them because they're speaking my language. They call themselves Chinoy, but Chinese Filipino. Uh, I, I wouldn't just say na Chinese lang ako or na Filipino lang ako because I am Chinese Filipino. Uh, one cannot exist without the other. And uh, 
it's it's for me it's the perfect way to marry these two facets of my identity and it's not a concept i came up with on my own um it's a concept that was taught to me by an upperclassman of mine at UP and coincidentally Saviorian din siya his name is Chris Nang um as far as i remember he works in the developmental sector these days and uh he he was in UP way before I was, and he had attended a talk organized by the UP Chinese Student Association, or UPCSA, which was my first org. And uh, the former uh, chancellor ng UP, si Dr. Michael Tan, um, was probably the person who introduced that, that nuance into the label Chinese-Filipino. And it right. stuck with Chris. So uh, one, there, there was this one racist incident where uh, somebody from UP who was part of the left-leaning political party, coincidentally, he's now in the local pro-wrestling community. Mm. Uh, um, he is not part of the same promotion I am affiliated with. Uh, this person said that the people from CSA should be deported and because uh, should be deported because these people are a waste of taxes of the Filipino people. Wow. So... It was a very racist thing that he said. And I remember being a 19-year-old being so filled with anger. And I think that was, the, that was one of the first instances I felt actual racism. Na dahil may lahi akong Chinese at nag-aaral ako sa UP, dapat na akong i-deport? Dahil para sa'yo, yung taxes ng taong bayan nasasayang sa'kin? What was the argument? Bakit nasasayang daw sa inyo? Uh, he thought, that kami as the Chinese uh, Filipino students or the members of UPCSA were against his party's stance on a particular issue about tuition fee increases at the time. Okay. So at the same time sa UP na they were really talking about raising the tuition fees and UPCSA for the longest time had been silent on the matter. And UPCSA, like, you know, the Chinese Filipino community until right now is largely silent when it comes to politics. Mm. And you could see that in UP as well. Because UP is the microcosm of Philippine society. So for, for him, his anger came from a place of silence is equivalent to siding with the oppressor. Oh, Therefore, yes. you are an oppressor. Therefore, I am attacking you. Right? So it's a bit of a leap. But uh, this is perspective I now know after over a decade having been detached from the issue. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I have my own feelings about uh, the current state of affairs, and I've begun to see that point of view. Now you are silent or you yeah. are neutral, therefore you side with the oppressor. You're and I get how that can be wrong. Yeah, it's very complicated, right? Um, but yeah, it, uh, back in two thousand nine, when this incident happened, he took his anger out in the form of racism. So because of that, uh, we started to have these discussions, these conversations internally about what it meant to be Chinoy, what it meant to be Chinese Filipino. And that's when that uh, nuance for Chinese Filipino came about. Right. And that's the thing that stuck with you ever since. I can imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that that's not a perspective that many in your community would agree with. Is that the case? Or is this something in common across all members of that community? Like, is that the thing where they're like, yes, Chinese is the adjective, Filipino is the noun? No, it's not common. Um, it's not common at all because even among my friends, we, uh, they interchange these terms all the time. Right. Oh, I'm Phil Chai. I'm Chai Phil. Yeah. Chinese, Filipino. In, in Hokkien, which is the uh, local dialect that the local Chinese speak, oh, Lanang. 
which doesn't even mean Chinese literally. Nanang just means one of us, our people. Mm. So, you know, uh, this this identity of being Chinese Filipino is not a label that is generally acknowledged or accepted. Nor am I stumping and saying that this should be the label for us. I'm just saying this is the label that's worked for me. Right. And it's a label I've understood and has given me peace of mind ever since that incident in 2009. Because when you get hit with that first incident of racism, you really begin to question your identity and what it is about your identity, something you can't control, which elicits hate. So it's funny that um, I'm now I'm gonna try to uh, segue to another point that you brought up earlier. This is how professional we are, and this is uh, the issue of the mainland Chinese in the Philippines. Yes, because now, now uh, with with the Pogo issue and all that, there's a lot of um, there's a lot 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 of antipathy. Uh, I wish it were ambivalence. Love I love these big words uh, towards <laughs> uh, towards the mainland Chinese, um, whether it's fairly deserved or not. And for our community, mga, uh, mga Chinese Filipino, we're all so quick to say na we're not like that. Iba sila. In fact, they even, we even have words for them. TDK or Taidioka, which means from China. Because mm-hmm. Taidiok is the uh, Hokkien translation for China. Mm-hmm. Or um, even yung mga Filipino friends ko would use the term GI. Oh, yung mga GI, GI, genuine in chick. Which even in chick as a term, is is derogatory. Right. Uh, I try not to use it. I I've, I've really tried my best to phase it out of my vocabulary because, to me, it's had the same, um, uh, same level of disrespect as the N word. But I'll get into that later. Yes. Can we please get to that uh, later? It's so, very so important that yung... we do. Sige, sige. Uh, so so the so just to wrap it up on the on the mainland Chinese issue, um, yung hate that uh we we see in the conversations about the mainland Chinese. It's really making me question again. Na parang tama pa ba to? Tama pa ba tong feelings that I feel towards them? And then you start to justify it with things like nagbabayad ba sila ng tax? Is sila nga yung nagtatrash ng mga apartments and are acting as if we are the second-class citizens in our own country, or they're giving us a bad look, giving us a bad name when we are the Chinese Filipino who, who worked hard and really established our business here, treated this country like our own, blah 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 blah. Right? Right. So. So you have those conflicting emotions. And I'm not going to say I have the answer for that because I don't. Like what I shared here uh, are these thoughts in my head as I've heard these conversations uh, take place around me or been part of these very conversations. So I I don't have the answer for these. I wish I were smarter, but I I don't. Now, uh, let's get into the, the term. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to say the term in an academic sense to explain um, its origin based on what I've learned and what it's supposed to mean. So the term uh, in Chick, which I will only say then and uh, for the rest of our conversation, I'll keep referring to it as the term. Um, it, it has very complicated origins because some people would say that it probably has origins in Malay or Indonesian because they, uh, there is a word in sec, I-N-C-E-K, which means uncle. I've also heard accounts from historians from back when I was a student. I think see Dr. Michael Tan the new source if I remember correctly, uh, a talk I attended. Um, he said that the early Chinese and the early and, and the Filipinos they dealt with at the time didn't really know how to communicate with one another because they didn't speak the other's languages. So when they would ask, "What do I call you?" or "Anong tatawag namin sa inyo?" 
uh, for whatever reason, the Chinese said Dinchak. And Dinchak means your uncle. Mm. So yung, even the word, even the use of Din is yung respectful na Din. Kasi the casual you would have been D. So it's kind of like, if I ask, kumain ka na ba versus kumain na ba kayo? Right. Okay. So, so there. So Din Chak. And then over time, din chak, din chak. Kasi hindi nga alam yung pangalan, di ba? Oh, din chak, din chak. Over time, it grew to be in chick. I, I, I don't know how language works. Um, so, so yung, yung term na yun, uh, it, it has a subtext of power dynamics. Because when you tell someone to call you their uncle, it assumes that they should be treating you with respect. Kasi nga uncle ka, di ba? Right. That's so interesting. Kind of like how, diba? All of your uncles, you treat them with respect because they're a generation older than you. They're there to be revered. But racial relations among the Chinese and the Filipinos, it's a very long and complicated history. So I don't know what happened. Na it grew to be derogatory, but it did. And then the term, nadagdagan siya ng other words that were associated with it, like beho. So inchik beho, that term, is derogatory. Mm. Use that phrase. That is an insult. Uh, that is really closer to the N-word than in chick on its own. Right. So, uh, kasi dun papasok yung mga stereotypes na uh, kuripot or uh, tululaway. Like, right. diba, you hear that shit growing up. In chick right. beho, tululaway. I heard that shit. Right. From my own kind. Which is so weird because it, it, it's such an ingrained thing in society that some idiots from my school picked it up and used it in school among our own community. Yeah. So, um, yun, uh, that, those terms are, are uh, so, so hard to, to hear. To me, they're very grating. But they're so ingrained eh, uh, in, in our society as Filipinos that when you Sa yupi nga, eh, the, the language class for Chinese is not Chino Ten, it's in Chik Ten until now. Really? I didn't and know. And when that. I was in college, there was a group that tried to get that changed. Right. And it, for whatever reason, it hasn't. Wow. This is so interesting to so, me because yeah. what I understood is that like, it's colloquial, it's very slang, a very casual way to refer to a community. And then I, I guess as a young adult, I was hanging out with a friend, and I and I said it, and then she was like, "Oh, that's wrong, huh? Don't don't say that." This is she was a Chinese Filipino as well. Don't say that. And I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." How I I was just I, I thought I actually grew up thinking this was the Tagalog translation for Chinese, like Americano, American, and Chinese. Yeah. And then there's that. And then he she said it's wrong, but I was like, "Why?" No, but it's wrong. <laughs> and then you right. you grow up, and then you you gain, I guess, uh, an, an an attentiveness to sensitivities. But I never really understood why. But what I'm saying is, it took me about twenty years to realize that people are bothered by it, and it's now taken me thirty three years as of this conversation to understand why. And I think it's important that we explain, or that you explain it. Thank you so much, personally. I want to thank you, but also. I I know that there are very many people like me who use the term freely, not even maliciously, uh, but of course there are people who are malicious about it and should be educated as yeah. well, and we should learn. Uh, 
to be better. But there are many people who who use it interchangeably, thinking it's a Tagalog translation for Chinese, and it's not. So I I appreciate you explaining it. Thank you. Now I'm not I'm not going to invalidate any sensibilities of the African American community, especially in light of the Black Lives Matter movement happening right now. But I really feel like the way you describe the normalize ng use of the word inchik was kind of like how the N-word was so casually thrown around in the United States mm-hmm. just decades ago, regardless of what race you were. So it's kind of like that. And um, ako, when I speak about it, uh, my goal is to spread, the, spread that sensibility. Now, you should not be using that word mm. uh, because, because of the insulting connotations. I don't care about the historical origins. That doesn't matter anymore because context is key. Right. So in... On on that same uh, wavelength, let's go and talk about other words that you know you'd probably hear in Chinese Filipino communities, regardless of whether you're in that community or not. And I'm sure you, as someone who's married into the Chinese Filipino family of your wife, uh, have probably heard these terms. I'm going to start with Juana, and Juana is the term that has always bothered me. Okay. Uh, in the local context of the Chinese Filipino community, Juana refers to the Philippines or the Filipinos, right? Which is weird because uh, there's a more there's a more general term for Filipino, which is Filipinelang, because the Philippines is translated to Philippine, and then elang means tao nang, right. so Filipinelang, taong taga Philippines, right? Like, why do we have to use the word Juana? I've always been bothered by it. Um, even at home, uh, my parents use it. I've tried to call it out, and it, it would always be met with resistance. Uh, that's the term. The answer is it's not the term. It's weird because Juana uh, is just one syllable away from Juanapo, which is uh, the term for kasambahay. Interesting. But as far as I know, even the term Juanapo doesn't even mean kasambahay per se. Kumbaga, na add na lang din yung connotation over the years. I've always seen the word Juana as something that connotes parang someone less than or someone who's outside. Um, and, and that could be a wrong, ano, a, a wrong definition. I, you know what? In fact, I'm going to Google this right now. And because we're not live, I'm going to take my time. I don't want to fuck this up. So the word Juana has always bothered me because it's always been something that's said at home and said among friends. And uh, there's always been that connotation, eh? And the, the term Juana uh, in its native Hokkien means foreigner. All right? Okay. Uh, it, um, websites online will tell you that it could be perceived as derogatory by non-Chinese speakers in certain countries. And it's used not just here by Chinese Filipinos, but by Chinese Singaporeans, Chinese Indonesians, and Chinese Malaysians. But rem- let, let's go back to the definition, which is foreigner. If I am talking to my Chinese Filipino family about my Filipino friends and they refer to them as Juana, don't you see how wrong that is or how weird it is to refer to them, the native Filipinos, as foreigners? Dun palang, there's already a disconnect. Na parang, wait, lang, there's something wrong here. I understand. Yeah. Really, the, the connotation that they're trying to get at is they who are not part of our group. That's right. And in a vacuum, they who are not a part of our group is not wrong. Because it's natural for us to seek a sense of belongingness. Yes. Diba? As human beings. Uh, it's natural for us to want to have a sense of community. 
However, when that feeling, when those thoughts are verbalized using words that have hurtful uh, connotations, your intent is buried underneath that and therefore neutralized, maybe even invalidated. Because now it becomes a matter of using your words to draw boundaries. That's right. That's right. It's like the N-word. Right. So, um, never mind yung, yung Juana being one syllable away nga from Juana po, which parang, uh, if, if I'm getting this right, the literal meaning is the foreign lady. But over time nga and over usage here in the Philippines by the Chinese Filipino community, it's come to mean the kasambahay. Right. So, so you know, um, it, it's funny because uh, here at home, my, my parents, uh, when, when they're talking about our kasambahay, our yaya, or my atemira, uh, they will keep saying, oh, uh, yung Juanapo, si Juanapo. Never call her by her name. Maybe because they, they want to have these conversations under the guise of privacy or whatever. But I don't think naman na there is anyone in this house who is so intellectually ill-equipped that they will not know that they are the ones being referred to, even if it's through a different word or a different phrase. Right. You get what I'm trying to get at? Yes, yes, yes. Char was telling me this uh, as we were preparing for the show that uh, it's often the case for Chinese Filipino families. Like when they have a driver, they're in the back. They will use the, if I'm, I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but the, the Fukien or the Hokkien term for driver when they want to talk about yeah, the driver. Chow. And then after a month or so, the driver will begin to pick up. So then they'll move on to Cantonese. Uh, just to just to switch things up so that they don't know that they're still talking about the driver, and then eventually, after a year or so, Cantonese na lang daw. It might be one. It might be getting the last two switched up. But there is a there's hinting at the, a deliberate way of talking about others in a way that they don't know. It's a code. It's basically a code. Yeah, and yeah. The, the it's basically a code, right? Yeah, the deliberate use of a code is common. Right. I wouldn't say naman na yung Cantonese or the use of it is common here, especially among the local Chinese-Filipino community. Because like, if you had to rank um, Hokkien, Mandarin, and Cantonese, um, Cantonese is clearly, clearly number three, like a distant number three. Right. Like, uh, pinaka-fluent pa rin ng mga tao locally sa Hokkien and then Mandarin. And then Cantonese a distant third. Uh, like, you have to have grown up in, say, Hong Kong or Singapore to have a grasp of Cantonese. Of Cantonese. Because it, it's, it's really so different. Yes. But we digress. We've, so, digr- we've digressed um, a lot, and I'm yeah, quite it, enjoying it. It's it's super weird that there is that uh, tendency to 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 speak in code so as to not be deciphered or not be understood by those who you don't want to understand. Because inherently, there's nothing wrong with it, but the way that it, uh, the way that they they've done it through generations has been very, um, parang walang puso. And I've appreciated families who have uh who have taught their, their kasambahay, their driver, their personal assistant to speak the language. Because there are families who are like that. And I have relatives who are like that. Uh, my, my ama or my grandmother's sister, yeah. uh, yung family nila, they had a driver who was with them for so long. I, I, I would say like 25, 30 years. And you know, as, as long as I can remember him, si Mang Juning, he spoke Hokkien. He spoke better Hokkien than I did. Mm. So, yung tipong, uh, he, he could really hang with my dad way better than I could. 
so you know, may, meron din mga good cases. So I, I um to anybody listening and and thinking na I'm pulling the curtain back and exposing lahat ng baho ng Chinese Filipino community, get 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 the fuck over yourself. Well, um, the reason I, I didn't I want to clarify that too. Like it's not that I wanted to talk to you to get like behind the scenes stuff I don't know. Like that's absolutely not where I'm coming from. I, I am coming from the idea that I have married into a family, a, a, Chi- a family. I've married into the Chinese Filipino community, but now also I'm starting a family and I have a son who is part of the Chinese Filipino community, which means in some way I am a part of the community and the the perspective of or the the position we have of wanting Max our son to be better than we are which means we want them to be better than everyone else before us as well means that he needs to he's at some point he's gonna confront the things that or I, I guess as a parent I want to say that I I want him to confront uh, we want him to confront what you have spent your life confronting. Because it's not so right. much that we want him to tear down anything. In fact, it's with much respect to his context. But ultimately, to gain insight from these contexts on how to be a better human and a better person. So the language part of this, not not the language like the codes, I mean like the use of words and the terms you use are of utmost importance. Like that's also basically my bias stance. So I appreciate the, the nerdery we're getting into here. But the for, yeah. uh, as a parent to to Max, who is a Chinese Filipino, whether anyone likes it or not, he's a Chinese Filipino. He does need to confront these things and grapple with these things, and hopefully come to the decision that, well, that would be better for him and the people around him and the world that he's in, and not just selfishly and that not just not to be exclusionary or damaging or racist. So I, I just want to think about and uh, sorry yeah please no, continue sorry I was I was just saying I I appreciate this digression and I find it utterly important. So you were saying I just want I I just want to preface again by saying that I am not against the building of a community within our own families or our you know within people who share the same culture or heritage and whatnot. I'm not against that at all. What I am against is using that to to really draw lines and divide people even more because there's a difference. Eh? There's a difference between fostering that sense of community and vis-a-vis using that sense of community to cast others out and draw that line and say, ito kami, ganyan kayo. And that's where things like generalizations come in. Na, ah, uh, Chinese ka, dapat magaling ka sa pera. Or, ah, mm-hmm. Filipino ka, tamad ka. And these are, these are lines I've heard growing up. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, these are very hurtful, hurtful stereotypes. They're very wrong stereotypes as well because I can point at a lot of my Chinese Filipino classmates growing up who were tamad. So, parang dun palang that argument doesn't hold water. But uh, another thing that I want to uh, get into since we're talking about you know, um, uh, these stereotypes and these words that really have been more destructive than uh, than community building is how I've always seen the Chinese Filipino community as very similar to the Harry Potter world. And it's one that's made me so fascinated by the Potterverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, more, even more right now, na J.K. Rowling has been outed as a transphobe <laughs> and you know, as, as someone very problematic, which really 
uh, paints the Potter verse in a very different light. So let me explain. Yeah. Uh, the Harry Potter verse or the Potter verse um, has a magical community, and in there, the traditionalists or the conservatives, uh, people like the Malfoys or the previous generations of the Blacks, uh, they valued yung pagiging pure blood, diba? It's one reason why uh, Voldemort himself was cast out. It's because of that racism, diba? Right. Uh, so being pure blood is of the highest order. Underneath that is the half blood kapag mestizo ka. Ganun din dito sa Chinese-Filipino community. Um, there are still some very traditional conservative families who put a premium on, on a prospective partner who is pure-blooded Chinese or pure-blooded ethnically. I've heard of, uh, of families that have frowned upon the significant other of their kids dahil 50% Chinese lang. Right. So let that sink in. So it's kind of like the half-blood um, conundrum in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Uh, in in the Potter verse, uh, you also have the mudblood, which is a derogatory term. Uh, it describes people like Hermione Granger. These are people with wizarding abilities who were born out of Muggle families or people who don't have the uh, the magical abilities. Muggleborns. That's the more politically correct term, diba? Right? <laughs> to me. Their equivalent are the non-Chinese students who go on to study in Chinese Filipino schools. Yeah, and um, I, I'm sure you've met these people as well. I've I've met these people. I'm friends with a lot of these people. Like uh, half of my barcada is uh, non-Chinese. So, um, mudbloods or the Muggleborns. Sorry, there. That's the better term. The Muggleborns are the equivalent of these uh, non-Chinese people who went to Chinese schools, uh, people like our mutual friend, Raf Camus. Uh, they're, they're the same because they're other in the school, in that community built for them, mm-hmm. because they don't share that same background. They That's didn't right. grow up with the Chinese customs. Or if you're a muggle-born, you didn't grow up knowing that you had powers, that you could be an oar, that an owl would come to you on your 11th birthday and deliver a letter from Professor Dumbledore. Right. In the same way na the non-Chinese people who went to a school like Savior or St. Jude or Jubilee um, don't know of these customs that you have to wear red on someone's birthday. So you're othered in your school. And then when you go home, na naturoan ka na ng Chinese na culture or the language or whatever, no one can tutor you in Chinese at home because your parents aren't Chinese. No one can relate that you learned about the Mooncake Festival and that you played the dice game and you were so excited because ikaw yung nanalo ng Chongwan so you have the biggest hopia and, and for, for your family who's non-Chinese their only takeaway is uy, may malaki kang hopia na naiuwi ngayon so there's yeah. that sense of being othered not only in school but in your own home right. it's the same as the Muggleborns right. now, let me get into the last um, comparison which is the squib so for uh, the benefit of uh, um, Harry Potter fans and non-Harry Potter fans, Argus Filch is a squib. So this is someone who was born into the wizarding community but does not have any magical ability. And if you remember from the stories, Argus Filch was uh, dismissed as uh, a custodian or as somebody na, you know will, will not have any prestige, cannot be, uh, cannot be held in high regard because you have no powers. The equivalent of that uh, sa Chinese-Filipino community is another derogatory term. And I'm only going to use it in the context of speaking about it academically. Huanagong. So the Huanagong, or literally dumb foreigner, is the 
uh, some, someone who was born out of a Chinese family, raised in a Chinese household, uh, was exposed to the culture and traditions, but did not follow them anymore, did not carry on young traditions, does not speak the language. Uh, the Western equivalent of that would be a banana because you are yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Right. So, um, sobrang similar niya. Kaya sobrang attached ako sa Harry Potter growing up, even without having realized that. I only realized this ito na, in the 2010s, when I started being more vocal about my identity and really just having these conversations with different people, both of Chinese ethnicity and otherwise. Na it's so similar to the Potter, to, to the wizarding world of Harry Potter and how problematic it is. And it blows my mind. I will tell you that that's exactly what made Char fall in love with the Harry Potter, with the Potterverse to begin with. Uh, similarly to you, that those are the themes that resonated with her. It wasn't until you mentioned this, uh, but you, you elaborated on it here in, in, in the show, in our conversation. But when you mentioned this, and I mentioned it to Char, she, she said, oh yeah, that's exactly why I got into it. And it kind of blew my mind because I have no, I've been with her for a very long time and I had no idea that that's why she got into it. Like I just understood now, oh, Harry Potter, cool, fun story, engaging, you're a fan. But learning that these are such that there are such resonant things to a specific community that I am literally married to and friends with is kind of blowing my mind as well. Because Max is getting is slowly getting into Harry Potter too, and the truth is, Stan, I've mentioned this a while ago already, but a lot of this boils down to how I'm raising a Chinese Filipino son. So for Max to yeah. get for Max to get into this uh, and to approach it, I think it's awful cool. That you laid it out this way. I will go on and say that you should probably write this out. <laughs> you should write this out and turn this into <laughs> turn this into at least an article, uh, maybe a thesis or a or a doctorate dissertation, or at most, maybe you should write about it in a book. Because I think it's okay. a heck of a thing to compare. Let us get our prayer leaflets ready so that we may pray all together the three o'clock prayer. Let us pray. You die, Jesus, but the source of life flowed out for souls and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fountain of life, immeasurable divine mercy, cover the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. O blood and water, which poured out from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. Amen. Jesus, King of Mercy, I trust in you. We have just as one nation started the beautiful three o'clock habit. We have just prayed to our Lord Jesus Christ 
for peace in our country and the whole world. We fervently hope that we started in you this three o'clock habit for you to keep and offer a few seconds of your time each day to talk to Jesus and pray for forgiveness of sins and world peace.